Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. So uh, uh, we've been doing the series. Uh, what series have we been doing? Thank you. How many of you got the book, Better Together? You can still grab a copy, suggest a donation, 10 bucks, grab it, read it. It's awesome. Um, so I want to step away from it this week. I'll jump back in next week. I'll, the reason today, by the way, as was mentioned, a lot of the ladies, I think about 50 or so ladies are going to be away uh, next uh, weekend for the ladies' retreat. That is awesome. I pray, we've been praying for that, that the, you ladies will have an, a great time. So I want to step away from Better Together this week. I'll jump back in next week. Uh, so that's the first reason. Secondly, I want to bring you a message about perseverance, the call of God in our lives to persevere. And that is not only corporately, that's individually as followers of Christ. And I thought, you know, as I saw these people standing across the front of here starting these life groups, some of them maybe for the first time, they're going to learn what it is to persevere running a life group and what it is to work with other people and get to know people in a different way. And uh, so I want to call you to this today because I think it's a word the Lord has for all of us. And when I look back in my lives, my own life has been many times in April and I, where it was hard to persevere. Uh, pastoring is a very difficult calling. There was a time where pastors were, were greatly respected in the communities and um, within the church. And I'm not saying that's not happening here, don't get me wrong. But as we've seen our society slip away from God, the whole thing of church and institution and the people who, who run it because of so many scandals in the evangelical circles, in the Catholic circles and others, the whole thinking and culture is opposite to uh, who a pastor might be. And then you compound that with just life. And so there are times where pastoring Uh, has been a difficult call. One time, actually, I drove all the way back to Sarnia, not recently, this was a while ago, to Lampton College, where I used to teach, because I thought, maybe they want me back. I thought, maybe they want me back. That's kind of where I was at. And uh, I wasn't persevering very well. I went back there. I sat down, listened to a couple teachers complain about everything and everybody for about an hour, and I'd had enough. I thought, geez, I get that at the church. I don't need it here, too. You know? And... uh, So I thought, well, this is, so I, I, there's two guys I wanted to see. I never did see them. And when I left, the Lord spoke to me and he said, well, how was your trip back to Egypt? (laughs) I don't even like onions or leeks. So uh, so there you go. But uh, the whole thing about the word and, and the calling of God, it says this in Romans 11, 29, in the King James Version, it says, for the gifts and calling of God are what? Is it up there? Are without repentance. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, we are responsible to live this calling out without repentance. In other words, without turning back away. We are to press in and to do what we're called to do. I think Jesus gave us something in Matthew 28 called the Great Commission. And he also gave us the two greatest commandments. Where he said, love the Lord your with all your soul, strength, and mind. And the second, he said, is, is, 
is just as great. Love your as yourself. And so the, the, the commandments of Jesus have never changed. The, the direction of the church has never changed. From the moment the church was birthed in Acts till today, that calling has never changed. And thankfully, I see uh, a movement here that the Spirit has stirred and people have gotten on board and really done a great job of giving leadership and, and doing what's happening now. Praise the Lord. You can rejoice in that church. And you should. But it's going to take hard work. And it's going to take perseverance. And there's going to be failures, for sure. And there's going to be some things you just hit it out of the park, and other times you strike out. And I used to play baseball, and I was not very good, so I struck out a lot. As a matter of fact, one time I was up to bat, and uh, this was in uh, Pee Wee, I think they called it. I can't remember the names anymore. It just means you were short. And... Uh, but I was taller. But anyway, the guy in front of me was up. It was hardball. And uh, he was in, I was in the batter's box there. Not batter's box. In the uh, on deck. Thank you. On deck circle. And I'm in the on deck circle. And he's up there. And the pitch comes and hits him right in the head. With a helmet on. But not with the side piece. You know. Well, actually, maybe it had those. I don't remember. All I know is the helmet went flying. He went down. He was out cold. And I was up next. And they didn't change the pitcher. So to say the least, the, the plate was there and I'm standing like this, trying to hit it. So he, I got benched. But, uh, you know, thankfully the Lord doesn't bench us. We bench ourselves. And the enemy wants to take us out like a pitcher. But we're supposed to stand in there and swing. And we're supposed to stand in there and persevere and go at it. And 36 years of pastoring, I've certainly seen the times where I've had to persevere April and I. And thankfully, the Lord does speak to us just like he did today, because I was going back through some of the scriptures that I've highlighted and made notes on. And on June 11th, 1997, I was at uh, Ontario Theological Seminary, struggling through educational courses there. And God spoke to me one night when I was praying from Psalm 71, 18, the NIV. He says, even when I'm old. Now, in 1997, I wasn't as old. So when I read that, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Even when I am old, it says, and what? Gray. Do not forsake me, O God. I just thought, you know, this is such a calling in my life till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. So in other words, as long as I am allowed to be in this position and to preach and even to talk to people, I will never stop declaring the power of God. I will never stop declaring who he is, what he can do, and how he can set you free. When we went, to, we went to the funeral yesterday, and it was such a testimony of Mary Bennett, of Dale's mom. Such a testimony, and, and uh, the Dom family and just everyone sharing. It was phenomenal. We're driving back through uh, the big metropolis of Tavistock. Have you heard of it? And uh, some of you are from there. And there's this guy who has a vegetable stand. And I'm coming up to it, and he has a sign. I said, do you want some corn for supper? You know, sweet corn? And she goes, yeah. So we pull over, and... And I see her getting not only sweet corn, but a watermelon and some other things. So I said, I better go help. And I got out of the car and I go over and we're paying the guy. And I'm in, and you know how hot it was yesterday? It's hotter today. So if you're going to eat outside, do it in the shade somewhere over here, okay? The picnic tables. But you're best off in here because this will be the coolest place to be. Anyway, so we stop and I'm wearing a tie and a shirt and pants and stuff. I do own them. 
Okay, I know some of you wonder. Anyway, so so I'm helping. And then I said to this gentleman, I said, well, we're just coming back from a funeral, da-da-da-da. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. I said, no, it's okay. I said, she knew the Lord. She's now safely with Jesus. And he said, oh, I hope I get there. I'm trying to be a good person. And I just wanted to jump in right there. And then he turned to somebody and said, can I help you? And I thought, oh, buddy, you need help. You see, that's what we run into every day. That's why we declare the power. That's why we persevere in the calling that he has in our lives. So when God speaks, we need to listen. Especially when we are walking through deep and dark times and we're wondering, Lord, where are you? Because things are uncertain. God knows that the authors of Scripture throughout history, until the canon of the Bible was formed, these men and women that we read about in these stories were journeyed along by the Holy Spirit. And we read over and over and over how they persevered through all kinds of troubles and difficulties. If you think you have it tough, and there are times we do, I want you to just to follow the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just, I'm not going there. But if you want to read it, just read it. He lists everything he's been through. And I read that and I go, I don't have it so bad. I don't have it so bad following Jesus when I read that story. But I do want us to look today at Hebrews chapter 12. In the, in the few minutes I have, I have about 15 more minutes. So I will do my best to, uh, to get you there. Oh. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to th- uh, 3. And, and the writer of Hebrews here is talking about all these men and women that have persevered, have walked by faith, and everything they've been through. And it says the world was not worthy of them. And then it says this to us. Therefore, because of them, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Can you say Perseverance. Yeah, it's right there. Run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the, who, the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so that's our calling. So there's four things here. The first one is a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, I don't know how professional golfers do it. I am not a golfer. I golf, but I'm more of a duffer. You know what a duffer is? You want a mulligan on every shot. All right? So, but I watch the Tiger Woods and these guys, and then there's cameras, and everybody's watching. Some of you are good golfers. It wouldn't bother you. Me? Forget it. You know, that's a huge crowd of witnesses, but we have, as believers, a greater cloud of witnesses around us. Greater than, than any movie star or sports figure or anything, God has surrounded us with a great cloud of witnesses who have persevered to make it to the end. And our brothers and sisters around the globe today are suffering in the persecuted church. And unless you go to some of these countries or unless you follow this, we are not really aware of what's happening to the church globally. But we need to be aware so we can be praying for them and standing in the gap with them as they are persevering under great persecution, many of them losing their lives. Statistically, I was just reading that more Christians have been killed in the last 10 years than in all of history. I don't know how they come up with the stats. (laughs) But the point is, that's what's happening out there, church. 
But at the same time, there's a great move of God. I was talking to a man recently. He was saying, in the Muslim culture, more and more Muslims in Pakistan are coming to Christ. Many Muslims coming to Christ through dreams and visions, through the power of God, through the very presence of Jesus talking to them. And actually, Claren Martin came and he was sharing us some of the stories with the, with the board and in, in with, our, with our First Nation people who, are, who you know, go to the sweat houses and want to have visions and, and so on and what they worship. But the Holy Spirit has moved in and Jesus himself has appeared to some of them. That's how urgent the day is. That Jesus himself would appear. And it's recorded. They said it was Jesus. Like Paul on the Apostle Road. On the, on the Damascus Road. What happened to him? He had this encounter with Jesus. When Jesus saved me, I had an encounter with Jesus. And these people are having encounters with Jesus. We have this great cloud of witnesses. And we are being watched and judged by the world because it's desperately looking for anybody who says they're a genuine follower of Christ. And what that really looks like. And believe me, they're watching you and they're watching me. If you stand up for Jesus, if you have a bumper sticker on your car, a honk for Jesus or, or a fish symbol or something, people recognize that and they watch you. So when the police officer pulls you over for speeding and you have that on your bumper, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's a complete witness in all things. And I'm, I'm not a complete witness in all things. I know that. And so the Lord's always working on me, but I know I'm surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And I'm not talking about praying to the dead and all that. Don't you ever do that stuff. That's demonic. I'm just talking about the very presence of God and that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses right in this room. Every day. Every single day. And he tells us, secondly, to throw off everything. <laughs> now, I thought that seems odd to us in our culture because we want everything. Our whole culture is in consumerism, correct? And so to throw off everything seems a bit odd to us. Now, April and I are trying to do this because we're downsizing from what we had in a seven-bedroom farmhouse because we had all the kids. And then we came to this house, and it has four bedrooms? Four bedrooms. Uh, two, two of them are quite large. And now the girls are gone, and it's just April and I, and we're moving to a 1,100-square-foot apartment. So I've been asking people who've done this, who've gone before us, and I said, how do you do it? And they go, <laughs> you'll do it, don't worry. So we've been, we've been uh, trying to throw off everything that might be a hindrance to us to downsize. And we had a fire in 1992 where we lost absolutely everything. Everything we owned, except the clothes on our body, we lost. I mean, everything. And I said to April the other day, I said, isn't it amazing how you can lose everything, and yet here we are with all this stuff? You know? It's just uh, it's a bit mind-boggling. How many of you have garages that you actually use for a car? Some of you. How many of you have garages and you just have stuff in the garage? Yeah. You know, I mean, then we, need, uh, then we need to rent things to put our stuff in. And, uh, I mean, think about it. We're just stuff, stuff marts. And uh, we're always going to stuff mart to get stuff. And that's from VeggieTales. And, uh, but, but I thought, throw off everything. But th there's more than that, obviously, that's here in Scripture. It's throw off everything that hinders and the sin. That's what hinders it. That so easily entangles. I love to swim. But I have found at times when I'm swimming, if I'm in where there's an area where there's a lot of seaweed, 
it can grab you when you're swimming. And even if you're a strong swimmer, that stuff can grab you and entangle you and try to drown you. And so you have to be careful. But sometimes as Christians, we'll swim right into sinful situations or we don't think God knows about it or we make justification for it and we do not throw off the thing that so easily entangles and the sin traps us. It entangles us like seaweed. It wants to take us down that we are not the followers of Christ we're supposed to be. And so I want to get untangled from those chains in my life and those ropes in my life. What kind of things are in your life that are hindering your walk with Christ? What kind of things are you involved in that you shouldn't be involved in? And at times we have that and at times we don't. And I think at the end of the day, we don't really want to be involved in some of those things. We just want to be free, but we don't know how to do it. The, the writer's saying here, you need to literally throw it off. You need to literally get rid of it. And sometimes that means literally turning off that computer or putting that electronic away or, or whatever it might be in your life. It, it, there's, there's times in our lives where we're, we're just not persevering in these things because the sin takes us down. And I cannot persevere when that stuff's happening in my life. As a matter of fact, the more that you step into those realms, the darker it will get. And the more entangled you become. And Satan is slippery. He's a deceiver. And it's in degrees, folks. For example, my father was an alcoholic. My father did not wake up, I am sure, as a young man one day and say, today I'm going to start the journey of becoming an alcoholic. I'm going to write it on the calendar that this was the day I started. That doesn't happen. But it does happen in our lives if we allow things to creep in and the Holy Spirit is saying, no, you're getting entangled. You need to throw it off. It's a hindrance to your perseverance. And if that's the case, folks, let's deal with it and get it off. Let's get set free. Who needs it? Who needs the extra baggage in your walk with Christ? We don't. And so the third thing is we are to run with perseverance. I used to be a, a cross-country runner, believe it or not. And um, it's tough being a cross-country. Like, it's one thing to run a track. Run thing to run a track. Tracks are not too bad. But cross-country is means you jump in mud, you crawl over rocks, you got to go around trees, uh, ditches, uh, you name it, and you're trying to run. I used to find that the, the practice for this was harder than the actual race. And I thought, you know, this is the calling God has in our life. We have to practice to be a Christian. You don't just take the Word of God one day and go, I've got it. I've got it. Osmosis has occurred. If that happens to you, let me know how it works. I used to fall asleep on my Bible like that. When I was studying late at night, I just, boom, down I'd go. And then I'd wake up and I'd be looking and a page would be stuck. Oh, look at that. Page, page would be stuck on my face like this. And I'd rip it right out of my Bible sometimes. Not on purpose, but I'd fall asleep with sweat and boom, there it was. It didn't stick. It did, but it didn't didn't stick in here. And so I thought, you know, to run this race takes practice. And I have to persevere as a Christian in the practice of the grueling things every day of my faith. Every single day. Every single day, the Word. Every single day, prayer. Every single day, writing down what God says. April had a word from the Lord this morning. Powerful word, and she shared it with me. And I said, honey, you need to write it down. 
So she's looking through her purse and she's crying and she's looking through her purse and I'm thinking, oh, my stuff's up here because I keep a journal in here and we could have wrote it down. So I said, well, you know what? Put it on your phone. Pretty good, eh? I said, put it on your phone. <laughs> I never think of that stuff. I can do it. I have an iPhone. You just, or I could just tell, hey, Siri, got something for you. It's juicy. <laughs> Go ahead, Robert. Go ahead, Robert. Go ahead. We're pals, and uh, me and 30 million other people, I'm sure. Um, But I thought, you know, it takes practice, and it takes patience to persevere. It takes a willingness to endure, to go through that long suffering, to have grace, to have mercy, to show love, to receive love, to be reassured, to reassure others, to be encouraged, to be tested, to be walking through triumphs. To memorize the word of God and on and on and on. That is perseverance. That is hard work. It is hard work being a Christian. Anybody agree? Yeah. And if it was easy, then what's the point? If it's easy, then let's go home. But it's not easy. It's hard. And I need you and you need me. I need brothers and sisters. Better together, you better believe. That was God's idea, by the way. Not Rusty George's. Who wrote the book? <laughs> Nonsense. It was God's idea better together. He had it from the beginning. He looked at Adam and said, Oh man, Adam, you are just messing up left, right, and center. You need a woman. <laughs> Adam's like, Oh, cool. What's, what's a woman? <laughs> You're about to find out, buddy. <laughs> and she showed up, and man's never been the same since. And, uh, but uh, you might say, you know what, I, I forget the running. I can hardly walk these days. I'm, I'm a Christian who's crawling along. And uh, you say, I can't run this race. I can't. Well, if that's you, then talk to somebody, please. The, the enemy likes to isolate. We used to have a mother duck out here with eight ducklings. The last time I looked, and they're bigger now, there's two left. Because you know what's over there? In that bush, believe it or not, there's a den of fox. There's foxes. And uh, they like duck. A la mode. From the pond. And so, every, you know, what can a duck do? I mean, what's it going to do? You know, you don't get near geese because they'll take you out. But a duck, what can a duck do? And the, and the fox goes... You know, and I felt bad for it. But I thought, you know, that thing's learning to persevere. Some of us are like that. We just say the fox comes, the enemy comes, and he wants to swallow us whole. And some of us just go, instead of raising up the armor of God and saying, in Jesus' name, you're not going to have me. I'm going to persevere. I'm crawling right now, but at least I'm moving. The moment you stop moving with Jesus is the moment you're going to die. Because there's a way that seems right unto the man, but the end of those ways thereof is death. you got to keep moving in your faith. If you're going backwards, stop and go forward. The passion and the fire of God should never go out in your spirit. I look at Howard and Mark Alex, for example. I remember back in the days when, the, when we were here, as April mentioned, when her hair was brown and mine was more. 
And we were, we were in that, that old, the, the original building, and I still remember that Sunday. I'll never forget it, Howard, and I've mentioned this before, but when you stood up and uh, there was somebody in missions who was in need, and you said, I bet you we all have enough money in our wallets today. That's when people did that. And by the way, Jay Calder, where's Jay? I know he's here. Jay, you, you preached a great sermon one Sunday up here about carrying money in your wallet. I've never forgotten that. And so every time I do, my kids take it. So now that I, you know, I thank you for that. But, um, no, it was a great message. But, but anyway, so you got up, Howard, and you just said, I'm sure we have enough cash to help this. And, and if, you ha- if you were thinking of going out for lunch, Mark's going to cook you lunch. Now, he didn't ask his wife that, I'm sure. Like some of us guys don't. I've done that with April. But the point is this, that, that there was just this, this calling to go forward, this accountability of togetherness. And better together is about accountability that, that I will not go backwards in my faith and the fire and zeal of God. So I look at Mark and, and, and Howard today and I still see that same zeal in them that I saw way back then. And I say, hallelujah, I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And two of them are named Howard and Mark. And there's a whole bunch of others that are still watching as you're running this race and you're running with perseverance. And the thing is, the last thing, the fourth thing is fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Never take your eyes off Jesus. When I used to run, uh, I had a coach. And the coach would uh, was sometimes, uh, this was in track and field. I was not much of a track and field guy. Uh, just my build, I was about 230, 235. I, I did weights and football and stuff. So I could run. I could run pretty fast. But, but track stuff was just not my thing. But he worked with me. And he would stand uh, where, where Calvin is, let's say. Calvin's right at the back there, at where, right, and it says 11.30, so hang in there, guys, we're going to eat, and Lord, I pray you bless the food so I don't forget, in Jesus' name, there you go, and, because uh, I will forget, and, and, and if Calvin was the coach, he'd be calling me to come, like this, and I had to keep my eyes on the track and on the coach, on the track and on the coach. And the coach would be watching me. And then when I'd get to the coach, he'd say, you're doing a lot of things right, but this is what you're doing wrong. This is how we can improve on this. That's a coach, right? You keep your eyes on Jesus because Jesus will say to you and me, you know, you're doing this and this, but there's this and this. And I love you, but there's this and this. And then when a coach does that, when Jesus does that, we keep our eyes on him. When I stumble or when I fall, when I take the wrong path, when I lose my way, when I cannot fulfill what he's asked me to do, when I hurt myself and all those around me and I struggle to witness the way I'm supposed to be and I fail to maintain my walk with Christ and I jeopardize the church and when I'm not an ambassador, he says, I'm right there with you. That's the kind of coach he is. And Jesus says, keep your eyes on the prize. Don't take your eyes off of me. Don't take your eyes off of me. Because the moment you do, you're in trouble. Because <laughs> there is those, still some of those magnets left that says, I got this. Out there. From that word two weeks ago. Maybe three now. I got this, God. I got this. Yes, Lord, you do. You said it again today. You got this. And I thought, you know, you got us too. Because I'm keeping my eyes. Church, keep your eyes on Jesus. Whoever God brings to fulfill this pulpit neck and stand right here where I am, you need to support them like you support us. You need to pray for them like you pray for us. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to work and keep your eyes on Jesus. Never allow somebody in this pulpit not to preach the Word of God. Amen? If you're not preaching the Word of God, then shut up. Because there is the Word of God and there is the Word of God and there is the Word of God. 
I've sat in churches and I've listened and I've not heard one single scripture mentioned. I've heard a lot of fluff, but not the word. I even went to a funeral and it was, it was a, a person we know in our, in our family. And, and I talked to the priest and I said, I'm a pastor. He said, evangelical. I said, yes. He said, you will not speak a word in this church. And I continued to hound him. And eventually he said to me, he said, what would you like to do? I said, I'd like to read a scripture. He said, it has to be in the homily, which is the sermon. And I said, no problem. And I said, what passage? And he told me. And I said, can I add a couple passages? No. He said, we have one passage. That's all we bring. We don't need anything else. He said, do you know that I am a priest of over 1,200 families? And I said, I feel for them um, that they have such a pastor as you or a priest. And he said, what do you mean by that? And I said, you figure it out. And I, I tried to talk to that man. That was for Joe. And tried to pray with him, but he would not bring the word of God. And I sat through that funeral, and I was so mad because the devil was winning. We will not give the enemy a foothold. We will preach the word and we will stand on the word and we will never bend our knee to any other but Jesus. And so whatever calling is in your life, whatever he's asking you to persevere in, persevere, church. I want to leave you with this. There's a lot more I wanted to say, but time's moving on. All right. I want to thank Pastor Wayne, by the way, um, just uh, yesterday, the sermon he did, uh, they told him he had 15 minutes, so I timed him, and uh, no, I didn't. I just prayed for him, because 15 minutes in, in this situation, they'd be like, keep it short, keep it short, keep it short, and I thought, well, even though, you know what, this is how good God is. The per- Somebody might say to me, Pastor Rob, like that priest, you only have this long, but the Holy Spirit can work way outside of those frames. And so I heard a gentleman, a cousin, I think it was, I'm not sure share and boy he was right on he read scripture he was right on the mark and then um, um, Stephen you shared you knocked it out of the park brother really good Stephen Dom and then uh, um, I can't I can't remember I think Julie sang I know Julie and Mark sang this duet which was exceedingly powerful and then Pastor Wayne spoke I thought okay they said 15 minutes for him but they didn't put any guidelines on everybody else and boy they just it was awesome and, and so, folks, let's just remember that the Lord is in charge, and we're not. Ephesians 3, this is the prayer that uh, Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, and it's my prayer for you, and it has been for many, many years. I pray, and I do pray this, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you in the power through the Spirit in your inner being. So that, and this is why, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted, I love that picture, and established in love may have power together with all the saints. So here's the, here's the witnesses. Here's the togetherness to grasp how wide and long and high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him, to our one and only Savior, 
who is able to do immensely more than we could ever ask church or ever even imagine according to his power. That's four times it says this power that it is at work within us to him be the glory in the church through Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is the prayer for the body of Christ. As the worship team comes, I want to thank you for uh, allowing April and I to uh, be part of your journey. I mean, the church has been here 178 years, I think, something like that. And uh, none of us have been here that long. Uh, Some might be here for quite a while. I know Dan's been here since he was a little boy. And maybe some of you too. But uh, uh, God has got his mark on this place, folks. And his spirit is moving. But he calls us to persevere. And that's a daily, daily event. Let's pray. Stand with me. Heavenly Father, as we end our time here, you're not done. I wonder how many of us here just need prayer this morning. I know there's, there's food and, and all that. That's going to happen. Don't worry. There's always lots of food. But I don't know about you, but I need the spiritual food. I'm like Jesus when the disciples came and said, that, but Jesus, you need to eat after he talked to the woman at the well. And he said to them, I have a food you know not of. I need that spiritual food, Jesus. I would rather have that than, than real food. Our body needs real food. Our spirit needs his food. If you're going to persevere, you're going to need lots of his food. And so maybe you're here today and you're struggling to persevere. And you're not alone. We all go through it. If that's you today, would you come here and stand with with me at the front? Just make your way up and and, uh, people will come and pray with you. And you may even have someone come pray with you who says, hey, I came to pray with you, but I need prayer too. And then after they pray for you, you get a chance to pray for them. That's better together. That's how it works. And so are you struggling? You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit ashamed of that. Well, yeah, I get it. But today's a new day. Hallelujah. Steadfast love of the Lord is new every single morning. Thank you, Father, for that love. But we know we struggle. We get things entangled. We don't throw it off. We don't keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We don't run the race with perseverance. Things trip us up. People trip us up. The enemy trips us up. But if you're here today and you say, hey, I need prayer for that perseverance. I just need that touch. I'm hungry for the food of God. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus and not on the things of this world. If that's you today and you want prayer, come. As Jane leads us in the first part of this song is your opportunity for that. And then I will um, dismiss those who, who want to get going and grab some food and so on. And I, and I, Lord, I want to thank you for this congregation. I am so blessed and I have so many um, deep, deep memories from here. You have used this congregation to form me and shape me and change me. Because, Lord, I, I always want to be in the school of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that even with our warts, as it were, and our imperfections, you still 
choose to use us. Even when we don't persevere, you still love us. Even when we fail, you still forgive us. And when we triumph, you rejoice with us. And when we complete the race, you take us home. You usher us in. You say, well done. You made it. I knew you would. Good and faithful servant. Well done. Now it's time to rest. So Lord, that's the race we're on. It's a marathon. But Lord, we're going to make it. What about you? What about you? Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.